Now, as you know, today is a generation service. And church, I want to tell you that when we teach the kids downstairs, we always ask them to stand in honor of God's word, just like in big church when we read from the Bible. So today, in a moment, all of the generations are going to stand as one church to honor the reading of God's word. Now, as you can see, I have a couple of readers up here who are going to be reading the scripture that Pastor Chris has chosen. So today, you can just follow along. You don't need to read out loud. But church, let's still stand all together as the family of God in respect for God's word as Martha and Albert read for us today. Leviticus chapter 25, verse 1 to 12. The Lord said to Moses at Mount Sinai, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land I am going to give you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years sow your fields, and for six years prune your vineyards and gather their crops. But in the seventh year the land is to have a year of Sabbath rest, a Sabbath the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the grapes of your untended vines. The land is to have a year of rest. Whatever the land yields during the Sabbath year will be food for you, for yourself, your male and female servants, and the hired worker and temporary resident who live among you as well as for your livestock and the wild animals in your land. Whatever the land produces, you may be eaten. Count off seven Sabbath years. Seven times seven. So that the seven Sabbath years amount to 49 years. Then have the trumpet sounded everywhere. On the tenth day of the seventh month, on the Day of Atonement, sound the trumpet throughout your land. Consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all of its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return to your family property and to your own clan. The fiftieth year shall be a jubilee for you. Do not sow and do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the untended vines. For it is a jubilee and is to be holy to you. On, you only eat what is directly taken from the fields. Amen. Thank you, church. You may be seated. Thank you, Martha and Albert. Now, church... We are going to get a bit excited about God's word today, and we have something special planned for Pastor Chris's sermon. In a moment, Pastor Chris is going to be talking about Jubilee, and to help with this celebration today, we are going to be using those kazoos that you received as you entered. So go ahead now and grab your kazoos, because you are going to need those. So today, every time during the sermon, when you hear the word Jubilee, you are going to blow your kazoo. Now, of course, if you're at home and you don't have a kazoo, you can grab your own instrument to use or even a, a couple of spoons. 
but also to our online audience. Every time you hear that word, jubilee, you could pop some happy face emojis into the chat. That would be wonderful to help with our celebration. Now, church, you might not know that you don't actually blow a kazoo to make it work. You have to actually hum into it. I didn't know this either. Pastor Sharon taught me that this week. So here's what happens if you blow into the kazoo. Okay? Now here's what happens if you hum into the kazoo. Okay, I think, I think we're getting it. But I didn't say the word yet, so let's wait. Pause. Pause. Let's practice together. One, two, three. Jubilee! Hopefully we're seeing those emojis in the chat as well. Now, I do want to talk to the kids and the youth that are in the audience here. I, I want you to know that when we were discussing this, that some of our pastors, they were a little bit scared about you guys having kazoos because they thought maybe you guys wouldn't be able to, to follow the instructions and that you'd be blowing it all the time. But I said, uh-uh-uh, no way. Oh, wait, maybe I was wrong. I said... No way, our kids are awesome, they're amazing, and I know they're going to do a good job listening and only blow the kazoos when they hear the special word, jubilee. Okay? And parents, I also thank you in advance that if somebody in your family is having a hard time following the instructions that you can take the kazoo away from them. Just saying. Now I'm going to invite Pastor Chris to come and share from God's Word today. Oh, it's going to be a fun day. <laughs> Just feel it. First service was pretty interesting. Uh, second service, even more, I'm sure. But let me say, we've done it. We have finished uh, the book of Leviticus together today. We celebrate that we've preached through this book. So congratulations to all of you for pressing through if you still have your Bible engagement plan on your phone, device, I encourage you just to go and finish to the very end. Maybe you need to do some catch-up. Uh, but I trust that it has been an eye-opening experience for all of you, that you have found God in the pages of these scriptures, and that you've learned about the holy expectations of God for his people. And I, I would be the first to say, not everything is transferable, but the general principles remain the same. And so this morning, I want to end this series with the final message on the year of Jubilee. Well done, well done. Now, before we begin, let's pray, pray for self-control, shall we? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Leviticus 25. Lord, I'm not sure why I gave kazoos to everybody, but you know, because you want everybody to make a joyful noise. But Lord, we pray for the gift of self-control the fruit of the Spirit alive in us. And I pray that it be in every heart today. I pray that if we just happen to bring that kazoo to our mouth, the power of God would enable us to pull it away from our mouth and that we would be able to focus so that it's not an interruption, but it's a contribution. And so, Lord, make this a meaningful morning, a generation service that we'll never forget, and I pray for your blessing. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Good job. Well, let's get right into the text this morning. There are biblical rhythms that God has woven into our lives for our own good. And the most popular of these rhythms is Sabbath rest. 
Sabbath is part of the rhythm of God's own creative work. Sabbath is a gift from God given directly to us. So we work for six days, and then we rest on a Sabbath day. For the Jews, it was from Friday evening to Saturday evening. It began with a meal and it ended with a meal. But for us Christians today, it could either be your Sunday or it could be any set-apart 24-hour day of the week. In his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Pete Casero likens the Sabbath to a snow day. Isn't that awesome? Sabbath is like a snow day. Last, was it last Wednesday or the Wednesday before, we had a snow day, and outside it didn't really look like it needed a snow day, but everybody was happy, every student was happy when they heard the news that it was the snow day, and every parent was like, great, <laughs> right? Because you have to make arrangements, you have to figure things out, but snow day, all the kids are like, yes, snow day! And so... If Sabbath is like a, in a, like a snow day, in a webinar that I heard from Mark Buchanan, who's a pastor, a writer, a professor, he expanded on this idea by saying that we feel excited for its arrival and we feel sad at its departure. That's how we feel about snow days, right? Well, that's how we should feel about the idea of Sabbath. Sabbath is also the rhythm of God's provision. You see, after their deliverance from Egypt, God reestablished the Israelites and their Sabbath rest by feeding them manna from heaven in the wilderness. This was a huge miracle of God. In Exodus 16, 26 to 30, we read God's very instructions to them. He says, six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then this Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the, Sabbath day, on the seventh day. No one is to go out. And so the people rested on the seventh day. Sabbath is also a day of forced rest. After years of a divided kingdom, as we fast forward through scripture, with kings who did good and then other kings who did evil in the eyes of the Lord, God then allowed his people to be exiled. He took them to foreign countries. He brought in invaders that moved them out. And notice what the biblical historian says to us in 2 Chronicles 36, verse 21. The land, catch this, the land enjoyed its Sabbath rest. All the time of its desolation, it rested until the 70 years were completed in fulfillment of the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. The land needed rest. For so many years, the people of God were not following the Sabbath command. Therefore, the, the land was being used frequently. And so the spiritual and moral decline of the people had such a negative impact on the land that the exile would serve as a Sabbath so that the land could repair itself, so the land could be ready for them to come back after 70 years of exile. Sabbath was foundational to new beginnings. In Nehemiah 10, verse 31, the Israelites made an oath to God to uphold the Sabbath. And then in Nehemiah 13, 15 to 18, here is Nehemiah enforcing the Sabbath. 
The scripture says, in those days I saw people in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in grain and loading it on donkeys together with wine and grapes and figs and all kinds of loads. And they were bringing all this into Jerusalem on what day? The Sabbath. Therefore, I warned them against selling food on that day. People from Tyre who lived in Jerusalem were bringing in fish of and all kinds of merchandise and selling them in Jerusalem on the Sabbath to the people of Judah. I rebuked the nobles of Judah and said to them, what is this wicked thing you are doing, desecrating the Sabbath day? Didn't your ancestors do the same things so that our God brought all this calamity on us and on this city? And now you are stirring up more wrath against Israel by desecrating the Sabbath. You see, as a wise leader, Nehemiah understood how Sabbath drift negatively impacted Israel's history. He could look back and see all the mistakes that they had done and the impact it had left, and now he did not want to repeat history all over again. They'd been given a new beginning, and they should not resort to old habits. So why all this emphasis on Sabbath? You see, if we never understand and we never honor Sabbath, we can never understand and honor Jubilee. Very good, very good. Okay, don't get carried away. Self-control, we prayed for this today. You see, it is a divine division of time that moves us from weekly intervals to yearly intervals, from the seven-day cycles to the seven-year cycles. And of course, seven is that number of perfection. It's the number not of human perfection, but of God's perfection. Jubilee. Let me just say you were a little late to the game there. I'm not going to say it again because I already said it. I'm not going to repeat myself. This event was the end of seven times of a seven-year cycle, marking the celebration of the 50th year, also understood as half a century or mid-century. And while this was a biblical rhythm, it was not always an honored rhythm. In the words of the great Old Testament scholar Gordon Wenham, he says this, as a social institution, the Jubilee... This year remained an ideal which was rarely, if ever, realized. And do you see the biblical problem? People had this event in their calendars. They knew about it. They were taught about it, but they never realized it to their detriment. So before I proceed, I think it's important to say that I'm not trying to make you return to the Old Testament. I'm not asking you to use it as a rule of faith for the 21st century believers today. Should you practice Sabbath? I think it's good for you. I think you should rest one day, at least a week. You should take a day to rest and relax and not just watch Netflix or do something like go outside. You should be refilled by God. Practice the Sabbath. But should you practice this other event? Yes, you should practice Jubilee. Though you have likely never thought about it, Never done it in the past. I pray that today, as of hearing uh, Leviticus 25, you'll be inspired to mark that 50th year. See, most people will only experience one, or if they're lucky, two jubilees in their lifetime. Well done. Very attentive. I like this. And so the point is not to return back 
to a system. The point is to reorient your love for God, to reorient your love for his people, to do life his way. And so this morning, I want to renew our appreciation for the celebration of Jubilee. as an aligning event in, uh, in the lives of the Israelites and also for us because it reminds us that what we might think belongs to us actually doesn't belong to us. It ultimately belongs to the Lord our God. And so we're gonna make our way through scripture together. First point this morning is that your property always belonged to God. Your property always belonged to God. Verse 10, the beginning part of it. It shall be a jubilee... For you, each of you is to return to your family property. So in the Old Testament, property was allotted by God to the Israelites by tribe. And so each tribe had their designated land. And this ensured that property stayed in the tribe, in the family. And over the course of time, there were several reasons why a person or a family might want to sell their land, sell their property. The most common, of course, was due to a time of financial hardship or due to poverty. And in these cases, it would be ideal to sell your property among your own relatives. That would be better. Relatives were not permitted by God to charge interest. Isn't that interesting? Interest, interesting. Yeah, there you go. You see, an affluent relative would purchase the property with the sole purpose of helping their family out during that difficult time so that the land did not pass into the wrong hands, and the land didn't pass into foreign hands. And the cost would have been determined on the basis of the years since the last jubilee. <laughs> to ensure that one relative did not take advantage of another relative. I'm, I'm, I'm exercising such great patience. This is fantastic. Good job. I hope you're enjoying this. And if you're irritated by this, then try to have fun with this. Let's continue. Jubilee. It implies property redemption. In Leviticus 25, 23 to 24, we read God's fine print on the matter. The land must not be sold permanently because the land is mine. And you reside in my land. As foreigners and strangers, throughout the land that you hold as a possession, you must provide for the redemption of the land. See, the land was never theirs in the first place. Therefore, it was God alone who made the rules concerning his own land. And they might have had that pride of ownership over their house, over their farm, over their vineyard, but the land itself, it all belonged to God. Now, that might be true of Israel. I think we can understand that. They were set apart to be a holy nation. But is that true of us today? Is that true of our property, of our belongings here in Canada? See, many of us are immigrants to Canada. So there is no way to have inherited some kind of land here unless we've had generation after generation living in Canada. Neither is Canada set apart like Israel was set apart to be a holy nation unto God. Yes, we have some Christian heritage in our background as a nation, but we're not set apart in the same way as Israel. And so you might think that you've purchased your home, you've paid the down payment, you've borrowed the money from the lender, or, or your name is on the title of the deed or in the lease agreement, but do not be fooled today into thinking that this means it is entirely yours. 
It's not yours. It belongs to the Lord. The Apostle Paul, he affirmed, and he quoted a popular philosopher in his day, which we find his statement in Acts 17, 28, for in him we live and we move and have our being. Now that quote might have been originally attributed to gods and goddesses of a pantheon of gods in Greek and Roman theology or their, or their religion. And they might have been worshipped or maybe it was addressed to some unknown or random God. But the principle remains true. You see, the Apostle Paul, he redeemed the quote. And so to mean not him as in a fake or false God, it is the one and only God. Him, capital him. See, our purchase to use our, our, our ability to use our mind, the ability to use our body to work and to earn a living, to purchase and sell land that comes from God. But the reality is that what we have is not our own, but it must be seen as an entrustment from God. Jubilee. It implies return. No matter, whether, no matter whether one may have relocated, no matter where you've relocated, Jubilee, it required a journey back home at least once in your lifetime. It was critical to rediscovering your true identity. And the Israelites were called by a holy God to inhabit a holy land. It was given as their possession. It was their earthly inheritance. And there's something special about coming home after being away for such a long time. Some of you, maybe Canada is not your country of origin, and you're just dreaming and longing to go home to be with your family. It is to return to the place where everyone knows your name. It's a place filled with memories. For most, going home can be a place associated with positive feelings. But for some, it may even be a place associated with negative feelings. But nevertheless, for the Israelite, home is where it all started. Unfortunately, we do not have that same attachment as the Israelites did to their homeland the spiritual link may not be as strong for us, but here's the idea. The greater idea is that no matter where you have gone, no matter how far you have drifted, coming home at Jubilee was a spiritually profound experience because it was returning back to your God. Secondly, today, your people always belong to God. We find this in the second half of verse 10. It shall be a jubilee for you, each of you is to return to your own clan. See, one of the challenges we face when reading the Bible in the 21st century North American culture is that our culture is so very different from ancient Near Eastern Israelite culture. So different. An example of this is the popularity of slavery. There are some scenarios where slavery in the Bible is an outside force subduing God's very own people. And then there are other scenarios where slavery is an inner force subduing their own people. God outlines biblical slavery for us in Leviticus 25, specifically verses 39 to 53. We're not going to read it, but this is where you can find it. 
And it is in these cases, these extreme cases of poverty, led Israelites to voluntarily offer themselves as slaves to their own families or to the foreigners that were living in their land. And while God does not explicitly outlaw slavery in the Old Testament, he did outline that the Israelites should hire or treat their fellow Israelites not as slaves, but only as hired workers or temporary residents. The reason is found in Leviticus 25, verse 42, because the Israelites are my servants, whom I brought out of Egypt. They must not be sold as slaves. See, they were already servants of the living God, so they could not be sold as slaves to other people. And it was, however, permissible for God uh, to God to take foreigners as slaves or temporary residents as slaves, as long as they were not losing their identity. Based on Leviticus 25, 42, then we must ask ourselves the questions, what are we? Are we slaves to God? Well, we need to understand how the Apostle Paul used this comparison. Yes, one way to understand who we are is using the servant-slave image. But let me tell you today, it moves from something very negative, a negative connotation, to a very positive connotation in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, he clarified this for us in Romans 6, 18 and verse 22. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Verse 22, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap lends to holiness and the result is eternal life. You see, with human slavery, there's no benefits but being slaves to God, there are all kinds of wonderful benefits. Again, in Ephesians 6, 5 to 6, we find similar words from the Apostle Paul. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with the sincerity of heart, just as you would obey who? Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of who? God from your heart. And so are you a slave to sin or are you a slave to righteousness? I want to be a slave to righteousness. Are you a slave of a master or are you a slave or a servant of Jesus Christ? I want to be a slave and a servant of Jesus Christ. Of course we're servants. Of course we're slaves of God. For we must always remember that we are beneath him. We are not equal to him. Jubilee It also implies relational reconciliation. Let me provide you with two quick biblical examples. The first is the father and the prodigal son. Like the prodigal son who squandered his wealth in a distant land, he returned home to find his father receive him with wide open arms and to restore him to the family and to celebrate him. And the one who was considered dead is still alive and the one who was lost is now considered found. You might not identify yourself as a prodigal, but jubilee, it required the Israelites to deal with the messy relational aspects of their life. Think of Philemon and Onesimus. Onesimus was a runaway slave who came to the apostle Paul from his master Philemon. 
and because of what Jesus did for Philemon and what Jesus equally did for Onesimus alike, both Christian men, Onesimus was to be returned back to Philemon no longer as a slave, but as a brother. In both of these scenarios, it is like both the prodigal son and Onesimus experienced their own personal jubilee. And so what, do we need to go back to the Old Testament and experience that event for ourselves? No, we don't have to. Jesus has ushered in an era of jubilee. And this era brings about a restoration of relationships. And I believe today we need this event in our lives We live in a relationally broken world. Even sometimes our relationships in the church are broken, and we need to have relational reconciliation. Amen? Thirdly today, your produce always belong to God. We find this in verse 11 and 12. The 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. Do not sow and do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the untended vines, for it is a jubilee and is to be holy for you. Eat only what is taken directly from the fields. And so on the sixth day of a week in Israel, it would collect enough produce for two days so that the Israelite could rest on the seventh day. The Israelite could not sow or could not prune. They could only harvest on the seventh year. It was a reminder to them that produce and provision was the blessing of God. It was not the result of human toil. God is the one who makes things grow. You can water something. You can plant the seed and water it, sunshine upon it. But who makes it grow? God makes it grow. There were no what-ifs when trusting God. There was no need to fear famine. There was no need to fear drought. There was no need to fear pestilence. They did not even need to proactively save as Joseph had taught them in Genesis 47, 26 when he had managed the people and their resources in Egypt in a time of great scarcity. The scripture says, so Joseph established it as a law concerning the land of Egypt still in force today that a fifth of the produce belonged to Pharaoh. So no, you do not need to give 20% to your storehouse and live on just 80%. The Israelites enjoyed 100% of the Jubilee harvest. (laughs) And what that means is there is no need to borrow. Isn't that awesome? There's no need to borrow from foreigners. There's no need to become indebted because Jubilee is awesome. When you trust God with the Sabbath days, you can expect God to sustain you during the Sabbath year. And when you trust God in the Sabbath years, you can expect God to sustain you during the Jubilee. And I want you to hold on to this truth today, okay? If there's anything that you get in the midst of blowing your kazoo, here it is. There's always more than enough with God. You can do it on your own. Yes, you can. You can use a lot of strength, a lot of mental energy. You can waste a lot of time trying to do things on your own. And you might be able to get it done. 
because human beings are pretty awesome beings that God created. But when you follow the biblical principles of Sabbath and this other event, that tricked you there. There is always more than enough with God. You need to understand that today. And this is why we trust God with our first fruits. This is why we trust God with our tithes and offerings. It's the same spiritual principle. Because since most of us are not farmers, all we have is our financial resources. We must remember that produce is not self-generated, though there is human responsibility involved. You see, it's, it's a partnership with God. Over six days, over six years, or over 49 years, produce is God's divine provision for us. And God, here's the mystery of it all, God actually wants you to work less and trust him more. God doesn't want you to work and overwork and be overwhelmed and be drained and have no energy left. God wants you to work less and trust him more. Because Jubilee (laughs) was meant to be for your personal enjoyment. And so as we conclude today and the worship team returns, let me ask you a few questions. If you're married today and you're in the house, you likely celebrate some of those big anniversary milestones in your life. For example, if you have been married for 25 years, you have celebrated your silver jubilee. Why don't you raise your hand? 25 years. Let's look around for a second, everybody. Let's celebrate these people together. 25 years. Amazing. What about 40-year anniversary? Anybody having celebrated a 40-year anniversary? Back there, I see it. That is your Ruby Jubilee. Any 50th anniversaries around here? There you go in the back still. Wonderful. That is your Golden Jubilee. Okay, well, let's just see if we have one more here. Uh, 60th anniversary? Not yet? Okay, not yet. If you had a 60th anniversary, it'd be your diamond jubilee. A 65th anniversary would be your sapphire jubilee. And your 70th anniversary would be your platinum jubilee. These are all great occasions worthy of celebration with our family and our friends even with our churches. But let me say this. The people of God need to become a more celebratory people. Can you say amen to that today? That's the truth. God has done so many great things for us. He has blessed us. We are among some of the most blessed people in the entire world living in North America. And don't take that for granted for one second. Count your blessings. And as a result, we just don't sit back and say, yeah, I'm blessed. (laughs) I'm blessed. I'm not stressed. No, we say, thank you, Jesus. We worship him and we praise him and we exalt him and we celebrate him. And yes, we have a time of jubilee. Because you see the problem. There's a problem. The problem is that jubilee has been entirely forgotten. And the other problem is this, is that Sabbath has been ignored. 
Some of you are ready to blow. And you know what it is? It's through the lens of busyness that we view Sabbath and we view Jubilee. And here it is, as God robbing us. God isn't robbing you of anything. He's not robbing you of your work. He's giving you six days to work. He's not robbing you of free time. He is giving you an opportunity to worship him, to rest in him, to be refilled by him, to be strengthened by him. You need to rest and not do because if you keep on doing, you're just going to burn out. But if you just rest in him, you just rest. He will supply his supernatural strength in your life. And you will do things that you couldn't do in your own strength. You'll do greater things. Your efficiency will be better. Your strength and capacity will be greater. You'll do awesome things, great things for the Lord. And so do not fail in discovering the joy of God's rest. You see, we have become so easily bored we, instead of sitting back and reflecting on what God has done. We need to restore back to us that awe and that wonder behind what God is doing in our lives. Man, he's amazing. Because maybe we've been doing this life all wrong this whole time. Here's the thing. You might have had a horrible first half of your life. When I think of that mid-century mark of 50 years, you might have had a horrible first half of your life. A lot of things happened, a lot of grief, a lot of sorrow, a lot of destruction. But see, the year of Jubilee, it gives us the hope today that it doesn't have to stay that way. See, Gordon Wenham again, he says it best, thus about once in any man or woman's lifetime, the slate was wiped clean. Everybody, everyone had the chance to make a fresh start. Does anyone wish that they could have a fresh start today? Anybody wish they could have a second chance today? Maybe a third, a fourth, a fifth chance? I believe that today, my friends, today can be your day of Jubilee. And this is not because you've waited 49 years of life, but because Jesus is the fulfillment of his promise. That Jesus fulfills everything in the Old Testament and he makes it available for us every day of our lives. Jesus in John 8, 36 said, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free what? Free indeed. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 5, 1, he said, it is for, Christ, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so we have a really good reason today to celebrate because Jesus is not only Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus is Lord of the Jubilee. So let me ask you, will you allow this Jesus to change your life? Will you allow this Jesus to grant you freedom? Will you allow this Jesus to give you rest? Because if you do, I promise you today, you will never be the same again. Let's pray.